Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show is one of those relatively rare podcasts that does not come to you from some sort of elegant soundproof studio. It doesn't have expensive equipment. In fact, it doesn't even have a home. We are a laptop lifestyle podcast. Many of the episodes come to you from my sumptuous balcony here in Las Vegas, Nevada, the hottest city in the world, as I like to say. Sometimes they come from a cigar shop, a coffee shop, a cafe, even the park. What reason we do that, and the reason why you'll sometimes hear little ambient noises in the background, some chatter from a distant table, a bird chirping, a car going by in the distance, is picture yourself at that point where you are sitting in on a private mastermind conversation with the exchange of ideas, stories, and that oh, 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 that comes up when somebody's saying something that just inspires you so much you can't wait to jump in. That's where you are today. And make sure you have a pad of paper and two pens in front of you so you can capture the aha moments that will naturally arise as you discover that slight edge that will bring your business forward so you can even more effectively serve from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Today, we're going to speak about publishing. Author your success. To share with us today, we have the founder of Throne Publishing, Jeremy Brown. Throne Publishing is a company that has published over 400 books. And this is a company that was founded by somebody who, after beginning his entrepreneurial journey at age 19, decided to write his first book in order to establish authority, generate leads, and increase his credibility. And the result is that his business exploded, and Jimmy knew he had found, or excuse me, Jeremy knew he had found his calling, which is to empower leaders to share their stories. Almost two decades later, Jeremy firmly believes that writing a book is the best way to leave a legacy and loves to discuss how this provides an effective avenue for purpose-driven leaders to reach their audience, build their brand, and grow their business to success. I accidentally said, Jimmy, I definitely met Jeremy. And you know, one of the things I teach in the podcast reach system is don't edit it, feature it. I'm so excited to have him here today. I couldn't even get the name right, but this time I'm going to. Jeremy Brown, come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> hey, like, like we could just go with Jimmy, too. I'm, I'd be kind of fine with that. It'd be a unique way to <laughs> talk about the episode and to promote it. So we can roll with it. I'm okay with that. You know, back with, uh, my signature has deteriorated. I say it's been enhanced, but other people say deteriorated over the years uh, to the point where it's now a chicken scratch. And even I don't know what the two little strokes in it mean. But during my college days, it had reached the point where the letters were kind of jumbled together. And I was actually going for the, the land speed record and putting it on paper. Some friends of mine noticed that when I wrote the first name, it looked like Alan rather than Adam. 
I actually acquired the nickname Big Al as a result of that. All so, right, Big Al. Well, let's you call me Jimmy. I'll call you Big Al. Let's do this. Big Al, Jimmy. All right. So when others see us interacting, they're going to wonder, what the heck are they talking about? Did they go so on some adventure to Bolivia and actually come back? What's going on? You're funny, Big Al. <laughs> all right. So, so Jimmy. All right. So we can go back to regular names now. Um, first of all, what I want to say is, yeah, I read off your bio, so impressive, so inspiring. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here with you, and it's my show. But what we like to do is give you the chance, before we get into some of the very interesting topics you have to share with us today, is tell us a bit about some of the things that have inspired you and motivate you to bring you to where you are today serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. We saw this story, but tell us some of the drivers behind it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I'll say Adam. I really want to say Big Al, but I'm going to go back to Adam. But, <laughs> All right. You know, from the very beginning, I, I became an entrepreneur when I was 19, and it was because I wanted to spend more time with my son. And it's been about family from the very beginning with me, and it still is about family today. My my wife and I now have four sons, uh, one big Rhodesian Ridgeback dog, and we drive around the country working and doing family stuff, road schooling in our Sprinter van. So, I, we just returned from seven days, seven states in seven days, and really, truly is it, uh, I, I never had the idea to become, I never had a vision, I never had any of that kind of stuff of, here's a big business I'm going to do. I wasn't entrepreneurial very much that I was aware of anyways, but when my son was born, I was 19, I was a single dad living a crazy life, and I had him in very limited time, and I realized if I don't become this kid's daycare, I'm hardly ever going to see him. So I just said, I'm going to start a business. I'll be his daycare full-time. I'll work at nights because I could set my schedule for the most part if I owned a business or so I thought. And that's what I did. And I, I didn't I didn't make a whole lot of money, but I was his daycare until he went to school. And till, still to this day, we our business model and everything we do with growth in mind happen, uh, revolves around we got to have the family first. We've got to be able to be spending the time with the kids that we want to do and with, with my wife and I, each other. Otherwise, what's it all really matter? Well, I can go help a ton of people, but if my own home is a mess, I haven't really accomplished much in my mind. So that's really my big motivator, my big, my big uh, driver right now, Adam. That's a funny thing. You know, we've had uh, similar conversations with guests actually very recently about how to make that particular connection. And how to create a business that serves your life rather than vice versa, where in at least two of the cases, it's just coincidental. The catalytic factor was, I'm going to be a dad. These are yeah. three gentlemen we've spoken with where it's, I'm going to be a dad. I got to do something here. And mm -hmm. I also um, recently had a, um, a private coaching session in my other business with, uh, with a woman who's dedicated to being a stay-at-home mom. And the gist of our conversation is that she doesn't, She's so devoted to being a mom. She wants to homeschool as you do. And she doesn't want to dump them in daycare. Those are her phrase. That was her phrase. And she also recognizes that if she were to go out and get a job, she's basically just going to be working to pay the daycare bill because with four kids, she happens to have four kids as well. That is essentially her entire wages or salary right there. So she might as well just stay home. She'll be in the same place. So some of those other themes came up such as how can you do this when the kids are likely to not need you or want you? And as a father, I think you know what I'm talking about when there are times when the kids absolutely need and want you to drop everything, 
And then five minutes later, they neither need you nor want you. Yep, that's totally true. Uh-huh. So and how, then, yeah, so how to create a so how to create a business that allows you to work with that and leverage that. Yeah, that's good. And it's uh I think it's about to capitalizing on the times when they really want to be around us because I have a I my the span goes from one year old to 18 years old. Wow. And definitely the one year old likes me a lot more than the 18 year old most days. So <laughs> I'm gonna soak turn up around. That's good. So like the, the tactical motivator for me right now too, is we just recently got a sprinter van and I'm just fascinated with, I never traveled Adam before recently. And it was really because of a pretty significant life challenge we had to overcome that forced us into traveling right away. Never traveled. Now we love to do it all the time. And I'm just fascinated by how traveling, whether it's making a little adventure in our hometown or whether it's going all the way down to Texas and back from South Dakota just creates these little moments and bonds my family in a way that in a really distinct way that other things don't. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's an absolute great motivator. So what I want to be do with you uh, to begin with is to define some terms because you have a couple pieces of terminology that I think will put a frame around the rest of our conversation and will also help to create some of that sticky factor so that anybody in our audience who's leaning in and tuning in and thinking about authoring their success, to use your term, uh, can find themselves more motiva- motivated to take that first step. So you've created, so I have the spring formula and the podcast reach system. Those are both acronyms. You have the burn process, B U R N. So what is it and how does it help authors and entrepreneurs refine their message? Yeah. And it really came from, I would say it was maybe seven or eight years, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe seven to 10 years into interviewing authors because at our publishing company, one of our premier services we do is that when an author says, I want to write a book, but I don't want to actually type it. Can I just talk and have somebody capture my words? And we have a very specific way we do that. Uh-huh. And we, we interview them. And so I had uh, well over 500 interviews with people that lasted over eight hours or longer per interview. Wow. Yep. And I started Ooh. to notice, yeah, I started to notice something, Adam, that whether somebody was an atheist in Australia, an entrepreneur in Singapore, or someone right here in South Dakota, where I'm at, that our life works in cycles like the earth works in seasons. And just like I, if I understand the seasons that the earth works in, I know how to work with it. If I understand the cycles my life works in, I know how to work with my life and I know what to do and when to do it. And I also... And so that created the burn process because we had to figure out with people what should go in the book, what shouldn't, what out of of my story should go in and what should I leave out? And we had to be able to find a process, a repeatable way to produce quality books that aren't 300 pages long, but they're 100 pages long because it's way more difficult to write a 100 page book than a 300 page book. Oh, you're telling me. I'll, I'll tell my story in a minute, but damn right. Yeah, Mark Twain said, if I had more time, the letter would be shorter. So here's what we do. Here's the burn process in a nutshell. If if you throw a bunch of materials into a fire, only the things of lasting value withstand the flames. You're going to have diamonds, gold, and steel. And so when somebody is coming to us saying, how can I find my very best content, my very best next book? What out of my life story is worth value? What do I do? 
we burn, so to speak, all of their ideas and their content to find the things of lasting value worthy of their book. Diamonds that display beauty through testimony, steel that gives strength, and gold that is valuable to create that transaction that I would pay to get from you. That's what the burn process is, and it's a whole thing, but that's the concept of it is we're finding somebody's very best content. Right. And I think that I think there's really something to that. I'm going to get some more definitions from you, and then I have actually some thoughts about this. The I think the next step that we want to cover is story forging. That's another one of your terms. So again, we're defining terms. So what is story forging, and how does that work? So story forging is... The, the process we go through when we burn something, we find the things of lasting value, we forge them together in the form of a book. So if you want me to, I can get into what does burn, burns an acronym. I can get into what that means. Yeah, but, I was hoping you would. Yeah, d- yeah, yeah take so, this in. Yeah, yeah, now that we have burn and story forging together, put it together for us. Yeah, the forging is bringing it all together. So burn is an acronym and it stands for, the B stands for beginning. Anytime uh, it, your life has many beginnings. Stories have beginnings. Your life has new beginnings. It's obvious, but beginnings really matter. The beginning of an experience or the beginning of a story ripples throughout that experience or that story in much the same way as a first impression does in a new relationship. Beginnings matter. If your stories and your ideas begin in two ways. Number one is a loss. And number two is a leap. A loss is this thing happened to me. I didn't want it, ask for it, earn it or deserve it. But here it is to visit upon me. I have to deal with it. And now my life is not the same. It's on a new path right now. A leap is when I say there's a mountain, I'm going to climb it. And I intentionally set myself up on a new path. I give myself a new beginning. The B in burn is for beginning. And after we've had a beginning, we move into the U of burn, which is urgency. Now that this new thing has come about, I need to do something about it. And so I take action and I act out of volition. In other words, I choose to, or I act out of necessity. I don't know where I'm going, but I can't stay here type of a moment. And those are moments that require courage because whether I'm choosing to, or whether I'm acting out of necessity, there's still fear, anxiety, and unknown either way. And I requires courage to take action and nothing happens without urgency. And then we move into R and burn, Adam, which is refine. We get refined in three ways. One is street lessons, lessons you learn in the streets. No man or woman has taught you. You didn't go to school to learn about it. You learned it in life. You bled for it. You sweat for it. You've learned it. And you have a very unique set of wisdom that you can give to other people. And it's unique to you because it's coming right from your life. Then there's street skills and street skills are the skill sets you develop and acquire and that evolve very naturally as you're out in life doing things and generating results. So these street skills are ways you can then serve other people. And then we have divine appointments, the right person at the right time with the right word. And as we look back, we say, had I not run into that person, I don't quite know what I would have done. And they deposited something in you. They're also 
things, divine appointments that don't quite look so divine. There are people that show up and they take something from you. Yep. Somebody comes to you and they use you. What it tells you is you are usable. There is value there that they saw that they just extracted in a not honorable, in a dishonorable way. It still gives you some ideas that what was meant to harm you can still be used for your good. And then the third form of divine appointment is when people show up in your life and you just want to help them. You love them. You don't even know why. It's like, I just want to help this person. They're inconvenient to me. They're not even grateful. They're expensive, but it's like you've been given a love that for them to give to them. And that's a divine appointment, giving you a road sign of like, there's some calling here for you in the, with these people. And I'll say really quickly, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. The refinement piece is the biggest piece and there's so much more. So if somebody's listening to this, if you can hear my voice, there's so much more that you have to offer than what you think. And that's not like a motivational snowflake. You're a little snowflake type of a thing. I don't really like that. I'm, I'm very much a practical realist when it comes to that, but it's very practical to say, however much content you think you have, however many good ideas you think you have, there's a lot more and there's a lot better, but it takes digging and burning things down to really find them. And quick example, Adam, if you and I were thrown into the jungle, we would either die or would become survival experts, right? Now, if we're in the jungle and I see a lion a hundred feet that way, I am no handyman, but I'm going to have a knife made or a spear made in like one minute. And if in the moment while we're in the jungle, you ask me, Jeremy, how did you make that knife? I'd say, dude, I don't know. I'm trying to survive. There's a lion over there. Then I'm going to throw you in front of me and take off running. Right. I'm joking. But if, if we're out of the jungle, six months removed from that, Adam, and you said, Hey, Jeremy, remember when you know how, remember when you made that knife? And I'd say, yeah. Hey, and you say, how did you do that? And if you helped me, Adam, we could reverse engineer how I randomly made that knife and we could do a couple of things. One, I could just create a, a create a, a way for to leave my kids. Hey, if you ever find yourself in the jungle, here's how to make a knife. I could uh, create a, a, a way to become a craftsman. I'm going to hand make these knives. And guess what? The story behind these knives is this. I was once in the jungle. I survived. I'm back. I made this specific knife that helped me survive. No other story has that. No other knife has that. Or I could make a a manufacturing process to mass produce a thousand of them a day. I could scale that to whatever I want. It all happens in the refinement of life that, that we are given, that God gives us, that we just get burnt up in it. And it usually totally sucks but there's a lot that comes from it. And then the end in burn is newness, Adam. Newness is the closure, the finality of the experience or of the story. It doesn't always end the way you want it to, but something has been made new. And you get to decide now what you want to bring forward with you in your life because you have the fullness of the experience. You have been there, done that. You survived. You're on the other side of it and you're looking back. You have the fullness of the skill set and the lessons and the fullness of time has come into play and you have the fullness of the spirit of it all. There's like an anointing that takes place that you can now speak to somebody else about it and your words have weight because you have walked the walk that they're walking right now. That in a nutshell, Adam, is the burn process and how we find the very best content and stories somebody has to offer. That's great. And, uh, you know, there's, I, I want to get into 
a little bit more of this because uh, this is leading toward, in a way, what I went through to get my first very own book published and turned into um, an international flash Amazon bestseller. Uh, so the next thing I want to know is one of the things we hear, I hear this with entrepreneurs who need to launch your podcast. They say, but I'm too busy, even though the reach system takes away the busy. Yeah. Same with books. How do pe- busy people get their book published? Because yeah, they say, well, wake up an hour earlier and spend that first hour. Oh yeah, sure. You're just going to command yourself to be inspired at five o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, that works for everybody. <laughs> so how do busy people get their books published? Yeah, I mean, if if somebody's wanting to publish a book and they're not busy, they probably shouldn't be publishing a book anyways. Okay. Wait, let me catch that. They're not if they're not busy, they shouldn't be publishing a book. Yeah, I mean, if they if they don't have a ton of stuff going on, if they're not super successful in my world where I publish nonfiction books, how to books, helping people, uh, they probably shouldn't be publishing a book. And I think I, I, I like to do this. I hold people high. I see them where I know they can be. And I speak to them in that point. If somebody said, listen, I'm just too busy. I say, well, do this. You either delegate it, find a team to do it for you and do it in a way you can lead the project or get it off your plate. You just got to answer this though. How important is this to you? If it's that important, you'll find a way, but you got to just square up with that. My mentor, his name is Verge DeYoung, one of a great mentor in my life, mentor in my, to my whole team at Throne. He asked that to people. How important is this to you? And I think if somebody's saying, I'm too busy for this, you got to just pause acting and say, how much does this matter in light of my other priorities? Because sometimes, you know what? I got a book right now. It's awesome. It's all about burn. It's totally great. But compared to the other things I have on my plate, the, the ROI I'm going to get from investing my time into other things is going to return for me way better than me just getting that next book done, which would be my sixth or seventh or whatever book. It, it's not a priority for me right now. I just square yeah. up with that. So I think that's what you got to do is say, how important is this to me? And then you just figure out how to do it. Because I don't think there's a time management solution or anything like that for people other than saying, you know, you got to, the fundamentals of successful people, they all know you got to be around the right people. You got to use a proven process. Everybody knows those things. So just ask yourself, first off, how important is this to me? All right. This reminds me of a story that I like to, tell in many different situations and it's about jackie gleason the great one in 1978 he underwent six and a half hours of open heart surgery so picture about two and a half years later the beginning of 1981 he's being interviewed by hugh downs on 2020 and they get to the part where they discuss how he had just recently had the open heart surgery and then cut to a frame And you see Jackie Gleason, age 65, morbidly obese, having had six and a half hours of open heart surgery, holding a glass of whiskey and a cigarette. That brings up some obvious questions. And his answer to the obvious question was, well, the way I figure, if they fix me, they fix me. That means I can go on to smoke, even though I think that's a ridiculous habit or a stupid habit, and I drink as much as I used to. That speaks to priorities. Yeah, they say he should have dropped 150 pounds, dropped the cigarettes, dropped the whiskey and everything else. 
but his priority was living the bon vivant life. I mean, they called him the great one for that reason. It's actually because of his lifestyle that allegedly Orson Welles nicknamed him the great one. It wasn't because of his acting skills. It's because it was about his ability to put anybody under the table in a bar. So that his priority was to keep his heart working so he can continue living his life. Other people may have different priorities. So going back to your point, it's centering on what that really is. Yeah, there is actually a manuscript almost ready for a book about the podcast reach system. I will get to it when I get to it. It's not my top priority right now. I have other things on the move that are returning return on investment that much faster. Also, last year, I went through intense personal rebranding where I worked with a certified image consultant to do the color analysis, the genetic analysis, the ancestry analysis, uh, measurements I'd never heard of. Uh, And by the way, what's interesting is when she did my measurements, she didn't measure my waist. And I found out there's a reason for that. Because you think the first thing when you do measurements is measure the waist. She didn't even. There's a reason for that, which I'll be happy to share offline at some point. Uh, And... um, Then I went through, had my wardrobe rebuilt, and then I had a complete photographic rebranding for both business and personal portfolio purposes. Now, I had people come to me say, man, why are you doing this? You still got to lose 40 pounds. I say, yeah, you know, I'm working on it. I'll get there when I get there. But being centered, authentic, and congruent with my image, my personality, and how that's expressed in my brand is a priority now. Hey, I lose the weight, I'll go buy another wardrobe. Not a big deal. But I'm not waiting another six months not enjoying my appearance, not enjoying my wardrobe, not feeling centered with my authenticity over something that they say is a priority. Awesome. Yeah. Good for you. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to writing books. Uh, There are a lot of people who should write books and at the same time, it may not be their top priority. And the other you know, thing is, it becomes a priority when it becomes a priority. And what we do, and I'm with you on this, actually, Jeremy, is helping people understand what a book can really do for you and how it can actually be an accelerator and how by following things like the burn process, story forging, et cetera, you can accelerate getting it done. So let's take, let's ask related questions just to make sure that we have this down is how can somebody get their book written without spending hours of tons of time, excuse me, tons of hours writing? I think what the first step you want to take is most people start writing right out of the gate. And I think that is a a, a big mistake that leads to a lot of rework on the back end for authors. And I think on the front end, you want to have a really good, what we call a blueprint, and you can just call it like a robust outline. You want to know your audience. You want to know your mission. You want to know your, uh, your goals that you need to get as an author, your reader's goals, and you want to have a really good chapter-by-chapter chapter breakdown to see the whole picture on the front end, and that way it helps you and guides you writing so you're not writing as just like, hey, you know, I, I really got in the flow and I organically happened. I understand that might work in certain things with I'm in the nonfiction world and it almost never leads to a great end product that doesn't need a lot of rework when it gets into the editing phase. So I think you save a ton of time if you make and you do a lot of processing and upfront work on that outline in much the same way, Adam, as people will encourage you to create a business plan. It's not that you follow the plan. The plan always changes. It's the fact you thought it through. And the thought exercise of doing that is the value of the plan, similarly to an outline of a book. 
Right. Because the thing is, is you can you can plan businesses until you're blue in the face. Uh, I share this in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. I don't tell the story exactly this way, but this is the foundation for one of the stories in the book. I have a client. I love this client dearly. They've been with us for almost a decade now. They're amazing. When I first came upon them, their business was still in pre-revenue startup mode. And they kept flying me and their entire team to a city in the United States to do two-day retreats where we planned the business and did PowerPoints and discussions and strategy maps and mind maps and everything else. But this business wasn't going anywhere. You want to know what really got that business off the ground? It, it decided to host a training course and invite people to buy tickets. With paying customers on the board, that's what got things moving. What was funny about that, what was hilarious about that to me at the time, but I think it's profound now, is suddenly there were no more retreats. Suddenly there weren't five meetings a week. Suddenly there weren't endless business plans, PowerPoints, mind maps, and everything else. It became about, let's make a real big success of this event. Let's learn from it. Let's do the next one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What else can we do to monetize? How do we hit markets to get more customers? Uh, How do we reach out to prospective clients, customers, and business allies? So it just shifted the conversation, just that thing. And I say it's, it's, it's it's the best thing you can do for your startup is to move from startup to revenue is get somebody to pay you for something and watch how the priorities change. Because you can have all the business plans in the world. They don't mean nothing until somebody's actually paying you. Then your priorities shift from the theoretical to the strategic. Well, so let's start with the practical, which means let's do a good job fulfilling this. And then the strategic, which is let's get more of this. Exactly. Very good. Yeah. So uh, I have my story speaking in my book. I went through a three-year period in my business where I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had clients which was great. I had this show, the Business Creators Radio Show, which was awesome. But for three years, I didn't even really have a website because I didn't know what business I wanted to position myself as being in. I had my clients that I worked with uh, who had been with me for a long time, all of whom were actually still with me, actually. And I uh, had this podcast. This podcast was my saving grace because weekly episodes, that's 52 new conversations, that's 52 new opportunities, that's 52 new possibilities, plus all the outbound guesting I was doing. It was just amazing stuff. So I got to the point where I thought, you know, maybe I should figure out what business I'm in. I was writing things on my social media, either on my own page, or I was writing these detailed replies to questions and comments and discussion threads. And all this stuff said, this should be a blog, this should be a book. One day, a friend of mine stopped by my Facebook and said, "You know, I love checking you out every day because I like my more because uh, I like my dose of the daily atom. The daily atom. I did a I did a search taken, so went to the thesaurus. Okay, daily morning atom. Well, there was one morning atom out there, but it had been dormant for six years and nothing showed up on copyright or trademark. So I created a simple blog called the morning atom, and once a day I posted to it." Whatever was exciting me, uh, interesting me, grinding my gears, and some pictures of my cats. A lot of those posts were actually just the stuff I put on social media and then transposed over. But here was the point. The blog gave me a focus where I could build a community of people who followed that blog and get them involved in the conversation. I committed to do it once a day for 90 days. There was no avatar. There was no goal. There was no theme. Just whatever was on my mind. The end of 90 days, I logged in. 
I organize those posts into categories using the WordPress category feature, translate the word category to chapter, took all those posts, put them in a Word document, uh, built out, you know, fleshed out the overriding story, the introduction, the transitions, et cetera, et cetera. And voila, my book was born. And believe me, I discovered that when I transformed the Word document from the eight and a half by 11 we normally type in to the six by nine that the book was going to be published in, and then changed the fonts to the actual fonts we would use for publication, I found out how much, e- how much easier it is to write a long book than it is a short one. Let's just say there are a lot of stories that actually had to get cut because there just wasn't room. That's awesome. There's a, there are actually so many stories left out of Groundhog Days and Event Not a Business Strategy that there's another book here whenever I want to do it. But right now, my folk, my next book would be a podcasting book. So that took me 90 days plus about three weeks focused effort uh, when I decided to actually get it done in time for Groundhog Day, which is the appropriate day to write a, to launch a book by that title. But you're saying we can get done 30 days. Tell me what I wish I'd have known back then. Well, I think I think it comes down to that. The, the more it, time somebody spends processing what they want to write, and that's part of the burning, the story forging process is you're, you're going to process things out in your mind. You're going to talk about them. You're going to write them. You're going to brainstorm them. You're going to whiteboard them. And it helps you weed out ideas that, like you were just saying there, Adam, that you're you're super smart to recognize is a lot of them don't need to go in the book or they're for a podcast or they're for a post or they're for my next book. And it saves you all of that writing time. And then it saves you the rework, the editing time, the proofing time, the design time. Because if you're, the word count of your book is smaller, uh, the word count of a book is a cost multiplier. It, it ripples through the cost of a book. And if you can eliminate a lot of those things on the front end, like you, you're doing now, it just saves people time. It saves people money. So you are smart at, at doing that. And like you just said, now you've got an asset sitting right there that whenever you want to pull it off the shelf and use it and deploy it, you got it right there. Yeah. You know, uh, here's another, here's another you know, thing. Um, the morning, Adam, the posts weren't necessarily published in the morning. It was like whatever time of day I got to it. Anybody right. questioned that? I said, well, it's morning somewhere. I didn't say this is the United States blog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was the brand. It was the package of it. It was this, you could have called it the afternoon or the night or the whatever. It was the brand that you put it in, the story that you put it all under. And it, it like you say, it didn't matter if you put it in the morning. The idea was, is it was uh, a great concept that you turned and yet you use and, and made it into something. I think it's pretty awesome. I went to the website right now and I'm looking at it. You are? That site shouldn't be there. I took it down. Well, you <laughs> redirected it to adamhomie.com. Well, yeah. And the, and the blog is not there. Yeah. Well, well mo- yeah, mo- yeah. Most of that blog is in the Groundhog book and the rest of it is buried. But uh, but yeah, I do maintain a domain because I could just I could just do another season in the morning out and make another book. Well, yeah. And I, 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 it, it made me look at the website and then uh, I'm looking at ARH right now, your logo yeah. and everything. So it got me to your website, created traffic yeah. for me. Oh, it got a hit. Yes. And, uh, that, and that, and that slides the next, and that site is the next one slated for overhaul. Very interesting. All right. So, um, okay. So basically what it comes down to is simplification. We can take that burn process. We can take story forging. Now, um, you mentioned, uh, and I need you to uh, remind me of this, fail and what was the other one? 
fail and I'm not sure what do you reference? Well, well, well there was there was a thing where the person had a challenge and then you decide what to do with it. You mentioned it early on. I think you mentioned under the burn process. A loss or a leap? Loss and leap. That's it. Loss and leap. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I have a uh, fiction novel I've been working on for 30 years. No, yes, I said it. And uh, I just haven't quite gotten it done because it's it's a hobby project. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, it's about a fictional uh, Caribbean island dictator. And the real story behind it is how to create the ideal country if you're given a blank slate. That's the theme. Well, I do. There is a very, very, very rough manuscript of it that still actually needs a lot of work. And I did confidentially let somebody look at it about a year ago, and they handed it back to me and told me they would never buy it. They would probably not even read it. And I said, "What? Why? I thought this is pretty interesting." They said, "All this guy ever does is win. You got to beat the hell out of him. He has. He's facing no challenges." He has no losses. He's not making any leaps. It's just win after win after win after win after win. What is this guy? Freaking Superman? People are going to get bored with that. They want to see. They want to see the guy get kicked in the face and then stand up and take it again and stand up and take it again and then still somehow win. That's what. That's what inspires people. That's right. So so now, uh, as time permits, I just go back and I find ways to make his life miserable. Well, and it's because winning all the time is not real life, right? Yeah. Anytime, like, you know, I have, when my first son was born, I was a completely different human being. Like I, when I came to, into my faith, when I met God, he totally fundamentally changed who I am. And any, and I, I started a, a mentorship program, a nonprofit for young men, 18 to 35, who grew up without dads. And we would mentor homeless addicts, you name it, all of the above. Anytime somebody said, yep, ever since I found the Lord, uh, my life is incredible. It's just great. And I remember that that's always the early indicator of nah, it's not really how it works. Uh, right. There's always refinement. There's always challenge. And if I'm only, and if I'm, if I'm only talking about that, I'm not going to create any authentic relationships in my life or in my business. Right. Right. I, fo- I follow you completely. So speaking totally right. of, yeah. So speaking of winning, what are the top five reasons that some authors just win more than others? And if in, in, in answering that, if you could also define what you mean by the word win. Well, I think I define win in however the author defines that for themselves. Different people define winning differently. Some of our, in our when we do launching uh, books, like we have an author right now, he launched his new book. It's his second book with us. He, his first book went number one, his second book went number two, and they've been going back and forth on Amazon at number one and number two spots, which is awesome because one of his definitions was, I want this to be a bestseller in a category that matters to me. Okay, great. We can do that. Other people, Fantastic. I have a book that uh, I is not available anywhere books are sold. I've never sold a single copy. It's literally nowhere, but it's generated well over seven figures for my company in revenue. And because what I valued, what my goal was winning for me was new customer, uh, new customer acquisition. So I think you first got to uh-huh. define that for yourself. Different authors do differently. Sometimes it's sales. Sometimes it's royalties. Sometimes it's speaking gigs, customer acquisition, brand building. Those are usually what we see. So you got to define that for yourself. And that is the first reason why some authors win and others don't is they don't really know why they're doing the book. I talked with someone today. And she was telling me about her book and she had a a ministry that she does. And she's like, yeah, I I do a lot of fundraising for the ministry. And I started to talk to her about how 
I really felt like I looked at her ministry. I, I kind of discerned the budget that they operate with in a year. And I said, if you do this book right, you can raise all the money you need to fund this ministry for an entire year without selling any books. And you could do that in probably two to three months. So there's, you, you want to find and understand uh, what is your goal and you want to look at using your book uh, to win in ways that are outside of just book sales because they don't know how to define winning. They don't know how to make their book work for them. And then I really do think this to Adam, I won't go out like five things. I'll give you like three ones right off the dome here that I, that I saw even just today. Uh, the third thing is they don't really go all in on a plan they have to put that book out into the world and market it. Right. Um, when you get a book done and it's published, you did about 25% of the work. The other 75% is making the book work, is making the plan, working the plan, getting that book out there. Just like with podcasting, it's like I talk with somebody today, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. I said, great. I put 20% of your time into the production of the podcast and 80% of the time into the distribution and promotion of the podcast. Because uh-huh. if you produce a great podcast, but nobody hears it, it doesn't really matter. Right. It's like the tree falling in the forest. Exactly. Right. So those are, I think, are three things authors can take right now from this to define your goal, make your book work for you, and create a plan and work that plan and really commit to it because you're you're some of you are going to see success right out of the gate. Others don't, and that's totally fine. You don't. It takes a while. It's if it's your first book, you're a first time author. Really understanding what you want to have that book do for you and creating that plan to do it is where you want to begin. I'm going to give you a counterpoint on the podcasting thing. Uh, the podcast reach system is really for the entrepreneur who wants to launch and host a podcast. Is your key networking, client attraction, celebrity expert branding tool. So the keys are connection, relationships, and recognition. <coughs> Listeners and downloads are vanity metrics, in my personal opinion. And that may be a contrarian view, but for years, I've been telling people that the last thing you need or want in your business is traffic to your website. I believe you need something else. So as far as listeners and downloads, if that's all you're going for, you might as well just find a way to literally buy that. Find some bot farm um, in Central Europe or what have you, where they have those warehouses where you have like 3,000 phones. It'll just go and use bots to click on your website. Now it'll get you your listeners and downloads. Because what is a listener? A listener means somebody click play. They might have stopped in two seconds, but they did it by accident. And what's a download? It means somebody clicked on a link and it caused a file to download to a smartphone or to a laptop or a desktop. It doesn't mean they actually ever played it. Those are fake metrics, uh, in my opinion. However, if you take make this shift, instead of treating listeners and download acquisition as a goal, and instead treat it as a result, you're more likely to get listeners and downloads in larger volume and larger quality. Here's what I mean. Networking. Uh, you're on social media. How many times do you get friend requests or connection requests? You look at the person, you say, I don't really know them, but I'll connect with them. And the next thing you know, they're all up in their DMs creeping you out. For sure. Or, or trying to annoy you or trying to pitch you or trying to have, or, or, or worst of all, trying to have one of those fake conversations where they ask a supposedly intriguing question. But if you take the, but if you bite, all they're going to do is keep nagging you until you buy their stuff. And you know it, so you don't even engage with them. Stupid. So imagine if you so imagine if you accepted that friendly request, you accepted it, and uh, your your DMs do light up. And they say, "Hey, Jeremy, love what you're doing with book publishing. Uh, 
I'd like to interview somebody in your industry for my podcast. Are you interested? Yeah. I'm willing to speculate. I can't, I can't get into your mind, but I'm willing to wager my lunch money that you're, first of all, you're statistically four more times likely to respond to that than the, any other type of DM. And second, that your response will either be, hell yes, give me that scheduling link, or interesting, tell me more. Yeah, about, maybe. Yeah, it's about putting reciprocity up front. So that's your networking, client attraction. You do the interview, and then you have that time in the green room where you can take things wherever it needs to go. Celebrity expert branding. People see you're constantly hosting podcasts. You're using the fact that you host a podcast to be a guest on other people's podcasts. It's, it's actually more effective than a booking agency if done properly. You uh, are seen being interviewed by the top people in your industry or niche. So by implication, you become one of them. Celebrity expert branding. These are the things that are most important. So when you said the thing about you create a book and you don't put it on a platform anywhere, you don't even focus on selling it. You use other means to get a, um, you have to use other means to use the book to monetize your business, to attract clients, to earn seven figures in your business. You know, as far as this episode, I'm going to promote it through all my networks. I know for a fact that I have a tribe that hangs on my every word. It's going to get listens. It's going to get downloads. And I'm going to get comments and questions about it because I get them every single week. You're going to share it and you're going to get some feedback too. But candidly, I don't give a rat's ass if anybody tunes in or not because it's not about them. It's about my most important listener, which is you. And when I say I don't mean I don't give a rat's ass, it means, uh, it mean, I mean that affectionately in the sense that it's not actually my primary goal. It's a result of me achieving my goal. My goal is to connect with you. The result will be that you and I will share it together and people will find it interesting. They'll tune in. They'll become part of the tribe and they'll want more. So for my tribe, I love you dearly. And I don't care whether you listen live when we release them on Tuesdays and sometimes Thursdays. I don't care if you listen to it on the replay. I don't care if you listen to it a month later. I don't care if you listen to it in a focused way. I don't care if you play it while you're sleeping so you learn through osmosis. I don't care if you stream it in the background while you're doing your emails. Just listen when you can and gain what you can. My goal is actually, for those of you who are listening, to decide whether or not you'd like to join our tribe, join our community. That's what I'm saying. Also, it's worth noting that I sometimes say provocative things because the nature of attention spans is very limited. And this actually goes to my next question. I did this all strategically. Uh, that people may listen to podcasts, but they may tune out. So occasionally I will say things that are provocative, even profane, simply because it gets people to say, sit, sit up and say, whoa, what? He just said that? What? What did I just miss? This, this must be good. And if it's streaming live, they can't go back and replay it. However, they can subscribe and wait for it to finish and then go back and click and restream it again. If they are watching it and it's published done state, they can just go to the little timeline, back two inches and find out what they just missed. So I get them to lean in, tune in and discover more. So now let's get uh, with books here. How do you get somebody to actually read your book? Because buying a book and reading a book are two different things. Just like downloading a podcast episode and actually listening to it are two different things. That's a long-winded circle that got me to that question. 
Well, I think, um, Adam, I think that if you're, you're wanting to get your reader to read your book, I think the first step to doing that is keeping, making your book completely focused on your target audience. So you want to know who your audience is. And I'm encouraging anybody who's listening to this, know who your audience is, uh, know them really well, their, their dreams and their problems right down to the, to the words they use to describe their problems and make it all about them. And if it's all about them, it's going to show through with your writing and it's going to keep people turning the page. Yeah, I think that I think that has a lot to do with it. The greatest compliment I ever got on the Groundhog book, and unfortunately, the guy wasn't really on the Internet much, so he didn't post an Amazon review. Uh, He was a friend of mine that I knew locally here in Las Vegas, and he actually purchased my book when I did a book signing here locally. And I heard from him a few days afterward. He said, you know, this morning. I was sitting out on my veranda. I had a cigar lit, sort of like I have a cigar lit right now while I'm speaking with you, Jeremy. And I was reading your book. I got about 10 pages in, and I couldn't stop laughing. The reason is because this book is you. This is the guy I know. This is the guy I hang out with. I hear your voice saying these things. I feel resonance with you when I read this book. And that was the goal of the Groundhog book was to be a enhance to be a relationship enhancer yeah you're damn right i went for my amazon bestseller badge once i had it that was it i was moving on to let's get this book in the hands of people who are actually going to read it and enjoy it and use it as a relationship accelerator furthermore i'll add uh, you know just yesterday i was hanging out somewhere and uh just yesterday i was hanging out somewhere and a few of us were sitting around it turned out that all three of us had published books so we each pulled out our smartphones and we all bought each other's books. So I sold two, uh, man, I sold two paperbacks. I was just hanging out. So again, difference between a purchaser and a reader. And I think you're absolutely right. Help them feel the authenticity of you. Help, help it be engaging. Make it align with their truth. And they'll keep turning those pages. So awesome. with that, with that. Um, I just want to say, you know, we are pretty much at the uh, top of our time here. So before we wrap up, before we wrap up, uh, I know that authoring your success can be a process. You've shown us how to shorten it, which is great. But sometimes the biggest, the biggest challenge of getting started is actually just getting started. So other than working with you, obviously, what one action would you encourage our listeners to take as soon as they finish listening to this that will move them a step forward? Well, I think I would go back to Adam. I think, you know, I would, I would go back through and I would find some of your podcasts that really get me inspired and give me ideas. I think that's one of the benefit of great podcasts is they spark new ideas for you. And I think I would first square up with the question, how important is this to me? And if it comes at, it's a 10 out of 10 importance to me, if it's really important, then you sit down, you look at the next 30 days of your life and figure out how can you get this book done in the next 30 days? You don't need a hundred hours. You probably need about 10 to 20 solid hours of writing time and you can get it done. But that's where I think it starts. How important is this to me? Then look at the next 30 days and say, how can I get a rough draft done in the next 30 days? Because that is the hardest part of the whole process. How do I get that rough draft done in the next 30 days? How important is this to me? Yeah. And I would, and I would also say, and again, this is just my belief about book creation is I love acronyms. I was taught this by my coach. Uh, the, the, the groundhog book is about the spring formula. 
for achieving maximum results through minimalism and applying common everyday strategies to enhance your success so that you grow the greener grass on your side of the fence. REACH is simply an acronym that uh, explains that whole thing about networking, client attraction, celebrity expert branding. So I would say, if I were to answer that question, is you have two choices, basically. You can find an acronym and write content to fit the acronym or write content and then create the acronym and make the content fit the acronym. It's up to you. The spring formula did not exist until the content already existed. It was just a framework to fit it in. So S-P-R-I-N-G were those six categories on the morning, Adam, that I, I fit them into. Could have been any content. I would have made a spring formula. It doesn't matter. So when I said that there's enough that I had to take out of that book that I could write another book, I could just make another formula and I could make that content fit. So that's what I would say to folks is it's about, in my case, see with me, what uh, what made that spring formula work was the idea of getting people out of feeling like their business was being stuck in that movie Groundhog Day. And it was also about the idea of burrowing beneath the surface to unearth the rich soil that makes the green gra- the grass greener on your side of the fence. That's really what it was all about. And I made the content fit that. So with that, with that, I do want to share with our audience because I think it's um, I think it's extremely important. I would like them to um, know where to find you. So tell us about. Let me find it here real quick. I accidentally uh, shut down that page because I was just so excited, and you had me uh, searching for a few things there. By the way, just some of the things you're inspiring. Your website is thronepg.com. Which refers to Throne Publishing. And when I visit that website, it's an amazing website. But tell us how people can engage with you and what they're going to look forward to when they do. Well, I think that I want to encourage people to engage by, you know, subscribing to your podcast. And I want to encourage them to just start writing. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, You don't need to meet with me. You don't need a publisher. You really don't need anything. Start writing, even if it's a paragraph, if it's a a page, if it's a thesis statement. I just got an email from somebody who's coming here from San Diego. She's so committed to her book. She's flying from San Diego. Nice. Aren't those the best? Sub-temperature weather here in South Dakota. But she, she did some work on her thesis. Even if it's just your thesis, what's the main idea I'm trying to communicate? Start writing. That's how that's the engagement. Then if you if you have troubles, you can reach out to us. We'll be able to help you if we can. But I think just start writing. You know, it's funny you mentioned thesis because I'll end this with one really funny story. Between my undergraduate studies at Penn State and my MBA program at Duquesne University, I think I submitted substantially the same paper seven times for seven different classes. You know what I did? I kept changing the title and changing the conclusion. That's it. Because all this stuff in the middle could be applied to a variety of things. And and I, I mentioned this offhand to a couple of my friends, like, oh, I'm going to tell the teacher that's so bad. And I said, what's so bad about it? I'm not plagiarizing. I'm, I'm, I'm multi-purposing my own content. I didn't steal this from anybody. I stole it from myself, and I didn't even steal it. I created it. So that goes to what I said earlier, or what I recommend earlier which dovetails with your, you know, just start writing, whether it's your thesis, whether it's a blog, whatever it is. Here we go. And remembering that whatever you write, you can make it fit what you need to through this little incredible process called editing. 
combined with this little neat trick called storytelling. Here we go. Yeah. So, Jeremy, I want to thank you so much. And I'm going to call you Jimmy one last time. From Big Al to Jimmy, thank you so much for being here today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.